G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Our special guest says we are all entrepreneurs. And he says that because we all run the business of our own lives and of our households. There's a saying that I often use when talking about reaching a level of confidence and maturity and launching out with something to say, and I call that finding your voice. Well, our special guest today not only helps people find their voice, but also helps them become best-selling authors and podcasters. He helps people realize their gifts and blessings and abilities that have been created and crafted in our lives before God. He's a third-generation minister. He's written 20 books. Some are international bestsellers. And he likes to let people in on the best-kept secrets of the publishing industry. Steve Kidd is an entrepreneur and business coach who's helping people live according to the words of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, where Paul says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Steve Kidd, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks for having me here with you. Hey, Steve, uh, let me ask you to expand a little on your thoughts about those words, especially out of the verse out of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Those words exceedingly abundantly, uh, they mean different things perhaps for some people. How do you, how do, what's your take? Oh, it's so much fun, too, because you think about it. I mean, some of us are quite imaginative. Um, so when you start talking about exceedingly, in other words, beyond uh, your expectations, not just, uh, you know, it met your expectations, but it exceeded. So he can do exceedingly. So anything that you can ask or think, because we're going to talk about that in all of these, he's going to do for us beyond what we can even, he's going to not just meet our expectations, but exceed those, okay? And he's going to do that abundantly. Now, we have to be careful with the word abundance because a lot of people immediately go from hearing the word abundance to talking about money. And although money can mean abundance, it doesn't mean that because if if abundance was only the dollars that you had in your bank account, then every time you paid a bill, you know, especially the bigger bills like the mortgage or if you put a down payment on a car or something like that, that would mean that you were less abundant than you were before rather than understanding the abundance of the ability to have the next meal, to help people out. Um, you know, I mean, there's no more, in my opinion, better level of abundance than when somebody needs something and they come to you and they say, hey, could you help me out? And you can help them. And that doesn't have to be monetarily. That could be, you know, helping somebody carry their groceries out to the car or praying with somebody or any of those kind of things. But he can do that abundantly. Above. And that's a big word in there. So above all that you can ask or even think. Now, again, going back to what I said before, I'm pretty creative. I can ask or think a lot of things. Give you an idea. Um, 
just uh, Sunday, or I'm sorry, I guess it was Monday here, um, they just had a lottery winner. One ticket was a $2 billion lottery winning ticket. One person. Now, the cash payout on that is a $997 million, or they could take it over the time and get the two over $2 billion. Okay? And he can do abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. So if you can see that somebody won that, you can think that, and he can do even more than that. Interesting when we talk about letting our imagination run wild, and uh, some are wanting to put a guard on that, and uh, maybe the lottery illustration for some is going to be a, a, a pushing the envelope, except to say... Uh, That is, in his imagination now, he's got the $2 billion lottery win. And, uh, you know, what could God do? Well, the $2 billion is nothing to God. He can do exceedingly abundantly. What I want to pick up on with you, Steve, is uh, part of that scripture is God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Uh, We might sometimes be the blockage in that. Sometimes we think too little of ourselves, too little of our own creativity, too little of our own giftings and talents. I wonder if you've got any thoughts here or perceptions of the sorts of people perhaps that are often seeking your help. God blew my mind with this one. And this is relatively new, you know, even though I've been in church my whole life. And that was coming to the realization God is a not time-restrained being. So in other words, he exists in the past, the present, and the future, all at the same exact moment. He's in every one of the, if you will, quantum outcomes of every choice you make. Whether you turn left or you turn right, God exists at both of those choices. Um, and we won't get too deep into that because that gets really esoteric and uh, you know, in, be too much into physics. But the concept is, is that we know Jesus came to earth He died for our sins. We know that that actually happened in an event in history a little bit more than 2,000 years ago. That doesn't mean that when we sin, that Jesus has to get back up on the cross and die for our sins again. It is finished, is what Jesus said when he died for our sins on the cross. The problem in that isn't whether or not God's grace and mercy and salvation covers all of our sins past, present, and future. It's whether or not we put ourselves in a place where we accept it. And that's where that blockage you were talking about comes in. It's not a matter of whether or not God wants to forgive us, isn't just, if you will, dying to forgive us, but it's a matter of us being willing to accept the gift that's already been given to us. Interesting as we're talking context here, uh, you're talking about Jesus, the work of the cross, where he has already done exceedingly abundantly, perhaps even more than we can imagine, uh, the work of the cross. Uh, The interesting thing is where we're at when we are humble before God, when we are recipients of his grace and his salvation, and then we're faced with aligning ourselves to his identity and his mission and then looking forward to the exceedingly abundantly in being in that alignment. Any thoughts here around uh, where we where we fit con- contextually as Christian believers? Paul says, um, don't quote me on this one, but I think it's in Romans. 
he says that all things are possible, but not all things are good. All things are permissible, but not all things are good for you. It's not a matter of uh, the limit of possibility. It's a matter of we have a Father who loves us. And I love the concept of really breaking it down to a person who loves you as much as Jesus did to literally give his life for you for the one and only reason, and that's because he gave us free will, even the right to be able to choose to not follow him so that when we chose it, we could really truly be in love with him versus being a slave or a servant or anybody else, but rather someone who truly falls in love with Jesus and gives all of ourselves to him. It gets us away from all of the judgmental and all of the laws and all of those kind of things and gets us to the place where we want to love back somebody who already loved us just as much as we possibly can. And when we blow it, we want to make it right with them just as quickly as we can. And of course, the way we serve God, uh, the way we undertake uh, those things that are a part of his mission, uh, whether it's our gifts as a sports person or whether we're gifted in business, uh, we might be gifted in ministry roles and uh, sometimes we can inflate those because not everybody is a minister in the sense that we think of a minister of the gospel, someone who's up on the pulpit in our church. But we're all servants in some ways, ministers of the gospel, and wanting to make the most of the gifts and talents that he has given to us. This is where some of your skills and gifts have come into play because you've been able to help people showcase their gifts and their talents. Uh, Give us some insights into the sorts of things when you discovered that you you could offer advice and people would actually be successful when they took your advice. It's so amazingly cool to be part of um, helping a person go from that point of, do I really even have anything to say? Who would want to hear what I have to say? To that moment when their book is not just out, it's not just published, but it becomes a bestseller. And they get outside validation from, in this case, Amazon, saying, you're worth it. They always were. Um, I had somebody one time that contacted me and they said, I want to send you my book for you to evaluate whether or not you would help me with my book. And I told them, I said, absolutely send me your book, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to turn you down because I'm not in the space of judging whether who you are and where you are right now is good enough. I just want to help you be the best you are right now and help you grow through the process. Now, when we're talking book publishing, and you're in the Amazon space here, and that for good reason, because Amazon has become the primary way that people are getting their books distributed around the world. So uh, so Amazon is like the field you're working in. Yes, yeah. I mean, I encourage everybody to just go straight to Amazon. They sell in the high 90 percentile of all the books in the whole world that are sold. Um, so rather than jumping through other hoops or any of those kind of things, it's easiest to just go straight to Amazon these days. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. 
Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Steve Kidd. He's on the line with us from the United States, an entrepreneur and business coach. He's also a best-selling author, written 20 books, and we're getting his insights into today into how to showcase our gifts and talents. So we're not just left somewhere by the wayside, but actually can be in the mainstream, having a voice, finding your voice. 1-800-316-316. Before we take some calls, Steve, let me ask you uh, about writing a book. Uh, You say you don't have to write a big book. You can write a fairly short book. And when you do write a book, that becomes like a credential, almost an alternative to handing out a business card these days. What are your thoughts here? Well, absolutely. It's way better than a business card because like the business cards that are sitting on my desk right now, you know, they sit on your desk for a certain amount of time and then typically they either get pushed off into a drawer or thrown away. Um, very rarely do we throw away books. They might go in the free bin at a garage sale or something like that, but it's very, very seldom that we throw away a book. So first of all, it's a much better way of doing that. As far as a credential goes, literally being a best-selling author is the number one influencer credential in the world right now. Um, my medical doctors would be the first ones to tell you they've gotten more out of being a best-selling author than they have being doctors in their field for as much as 20 plus years. Um, but being a best-selling author is kind of like graduating from medical school. It's the credential. You know, you walk across stage and you are now forever Dr. So-and-so, and then you get to go to be an intern and learn how to actually practice medicine. Being a best-selling author is really very akin to that. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Rebecca in Tumbarumba in New South Wales. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome along. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Steve, for talking about this issue. Um, I'm self-published on Amazon, but I feel like the, the only way I'm selling is buying my own books and selling them personally or giving them away as gifts. So I just wanted to learn more about marketing, increasing sales, distribution, bookshops. Just wanted some advice in that regard please very good rebecca and before we get steve's insights there what's the title of your book rebecca uh the completion course it's kind of like a a comedy uh, uh about you know completing everything in your life and having everything perfect and yeah which is kind of silly it's the completion course uh rebecca let's get a thought or two steve what are your thoughts for rebecca on uh, on you know taking things to the next level marketing wise Um, The number one thing is, and this is specifically talking about selling books, is um, that book needs to become as much a part of you as a purse or a wallet or um, an arm. (laughs) Um, All of my authors that have done the best job selling their books, they have a copy or 10 with them everywhere they go. And they're not afraid to walk up to individuals and offer to sell or give them copies of their book, even more so, even little stores. Um, the first book that we did, it was actually a travel guide for a movie, and um, we had more sales of it that happened through tiny little bookstores all over the state of Oregon that I lived in back then than we did the direct sales through Amazon. It was just a matter of had to take five or ten books in there and ask them, hey, would you be willing to stock this book? And and uh, it's amazing how many yeses you'll get. 
Another really great one for that is if there's a mom and pop bookstore near you, um, ask them, call them directly and ask them if you can do a book signing at their location. Now, the big booksellers, the the big retail stores, they get big authors that come in. Uh, The publishing companies will schedule that for them. But the little guys, they never get anybody. It's so exciting for them. It's a great way for you to meet people um, and that kind of thing. And then thirdly would be, you know, you've got to go out and talk about it on social media. Um, And I might even add to that. Beyond that, the next question that I would have in a one-on-one conversation with a client is, what are the things that we really need to do from our book to make us money? Creating courses, doing speaking, all those kind of things. Uh, Rebecca, are you doing some of those things? Has your book opened some doors for you? Are there some speaking engagements? And uh, have you been invited to uh, do a course or anything like that uh, You know, along the lines of your book? Um, in the beginning, it was written about 10 years ago. So in the beginning, I was going to bookshops and asking them to, you know, stock it on consignment. And and I spoke a little bit about it. Um, so I haven't really, um, I've kind of left it for a while, but I'm ready to kind of get it back into writing another one at the moment and, and probably marketing that. I probably need to be a bit more social media savvy and um, get it out there. I'm in a small country town, so... Yeah, I need to probably connect more, and I know there's a there's a few Facebook groups that um, are involved in you know marketing and connecting and talking about their new book. So I'll probably get onto that. I was just on Hachette's website, a publishing website, last night, looking at submissions possibly. But yeah, it's a lot of publishing. You know, traditional publishers are sort of. Um, yeah, going through agents and that sort of thing. So that's pretty, pretty tricky. So. Rebecca, I'll ask Steve about some social media marketing in just a short while, but you've raised something really important here, and thank you so much for sharing that, that you wrote your book about 10 years ago. Uh, what about the revitalization of a book? Because these days, with mm. the way that we do digital marketing of our books, Steve, what are your thoughts uh, for those who might have written something a while back and there's been some traditional ways they've gone through a publishing process, but there are some new technologies uh, that are available now via the internet for a global audience. What are your thoughts here for Rebecca as, uh, as to the possibility of a revitalization of her book? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I do relaunches with people all the time. Um, You know, I've worked with books that are even as much as 15 and 20 years old. Um, I've even worked with people uh, who their book has been uh, published through a traditional publisher wide, but the publishers don't even exist anymore. Or the book came out, you know, Dr. Donald Joy, his book was probably 35 years old when we helped him to begin to start digitizing and have an ebook for his book. Um, so there's all of those kind of things. One other thing is if you don't have an audiobook, only about one in 20 of all books have audiobooks available to it. So uh, people, but about a third of the market wants audiobooks. So if you don't have the audiobook, absolutely you want to do that one too. But yeah, we help people relaunch their books and get that kickstarted all over again all the time. Rebecca from Tumbarumba in New South Wales. Rebecca, thank you so much for your call. Glad to be able to talk to you. Raise some great points there. Uh, Let me ask you, Steve, um, around bestsellers, uh, you talk about great books and 
best-selling books. Uh, there is a difference, uh, the content and the way that it's marketed. How do you reflect on how you might be thinking about showcasing your own gifts and talents, uh, the book that you might be thinking of writing? I always ask a person, what is the one thing that you have to say? And or even what is the one thing that you're always saying? For those of us that my kids are all grown now, but they were teens. Those of us that have teen children, they're wonderful gifts in this area because that thing that when we say it, the children roll their eyes at us because they hear us saying it all, all the time. That's really a good insight into something that's a part of your passion. Um, and I spend a lot of time with people helping them really identify that. But it really boils down to if you had five minutes or less with somebody and you really wanted to share something with them, what's that one thing you want to make sure that they take away, that they know that you can improve their life? And when we're focused on them, it really makes a big difference. And the thought, too, uh, that I've picked up from a little bit of research I was doing on you, uh, the thought that it's not always good writers that have bestsellers. Uh, good writers, uh, they might even be few and far between. Uh, not everybody's a good writer, but there's a lot of not-so-good writers who are, in fact, bestsellers. Um, very few people, actually, I would go so far as to say, are good writers, but everybody needs to be an author. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that as far as then whether the book is good or not, that's usually us judging ourselves more than anything else, but we are where we are. You know, my granddaughter, when she was eight, wrote a book and the only thing she knew in the whole wide world, she had a best friend and she wanted to tell all the whole world about how amazing it was having met her best friend. You know, I mean, she was eight. So you imagine that it wasn't written in Oxford style and, you know, wasn't going to be, you know, that kind of a book, but it was so much fun. And she enjoyed the process. And that was what she knew and what she had to give to the world then. And each of us is at that same place. And we just continue growing and having that next thing that we need to share. She's eight years old. And are you saying here that that little book became a bestseller? That book, and she's actually almost 13 now. Uh, but that little book when she was eight became actually a number one international bestseller. Uh, both in the United States as well as in about five other countries because of the marketing that we did behind it. It was on the number one, it was listed as number one on Amazon in multiple different categories in multiple different countries. So age is no barrier here. It's not like eight-year-olds are listening to our conversation today, probably, uh, but parents are, and parents will know if their kids are storytellers. And to be able to nurture that along, uh, to have some oversight over, you might have two or three kids, uh, you might have some nieces and nephews, uh, keep an eye on the family because there might be some things you can do to help your own family have the sort of voice we're talking about today. So uh, age is no limit at all, Steve. Well, and in fact, actually, my daughter was homeschooling at the time. She actually made it as all, all a part of her schooling for that. You know, she wrote the book. She edited the book. She learned about grammar and phone writing. And she got to learn a little bit about creative writing, but also then doing artwork for the cover and lots of fun educational things that she just integrated right into school with it. Let's come back to our conversation around uh, showcasing your talents, uh, writing a book. 
having it published, and uh, as listeners will have gleaned, you deal primarily with Amazon, which has become the biggest book distribution seller in the world. One of the things we touched on in our earlier segments was the thought of social media promotion. Perhaps it's an easier time than ever to promote a book if you're in the right social media. Uh, What are your thoughts here for those aspiring authors thinking, I could get a book, I could upload it, it could be on Amazon, and then I'd be responsible to promote it. What about social media and the role it plays? So um, let's cover a couple of things first before we jump really hard into that. Um, I think Seth Godin in one of his books said it best when he said, I'd rather have a hundred raving fans than tens of thousands of people who are just hanging out. <laughs> um, we, you can do a lot more in business with a, with a few small group of people. I mean, think of how much Jesus did with just twelve men, um, and I think that's a really good example. So that's number one. Number two is is bestseller is only the beginning. Bestseller is that credential. It is the starting point for things. It is not the end point. Even if you're an author and that's all you want to do is make money writing books, um, the making your book and starting it out day one is a bestseller. That's where you start. Then from there is where social media comes in. Getting back to your question, um, you want to create community. And community is where people feel known, liked, they feel trusted, they feel comfortable, they have a place that they can come and feel like they belong. You know, you were talking about, you know, what do people in in and around me feel about with the election? And, uh, you know, I, my response to that is very much because of the community that I'm part of. There are others, um, including some of my children, that, um, you know, it was it will be a huge topic of discussion for them for months to come. And that's not either good or bad, but it's just a matter of finding your tribe of people. And then, of course, when you're leading that, it's being the leader to be able to say, this is the community that I want to establish, the space I want to hold for the people who need, you know, what this thing my book is about is. Uh, Let me ask you something. And uh, look, I think this is ethical. Uh, You might have your own thoughts here. Uh, because it might be just using the system. But uh, I have heard of authors who upload their book to Amazon and then they don't launch it straight away. It doesn't become live straight away. In fact, they have a number of months in the lead-up before they actually do a formal launch. And on the day that the launch happens, the pre-sales have contributed to the best-selling status of that book. Are there ways that you can work the system ethically to make sure that you're getting a great result and that best-selling tag could be yours? Um, And I do have a system that I guarantee you'll be a bestseller. I've done it literally thousands upon thousands of times with a 100% success rate. Um, What you're talking about is a pre-launch campaign. It is a very effective way to do it, assuming that you're using social media and other things and getting um, ongoing people to come in and buy your book. There's one fatal flaw in that process, and that is that, A, it takes, really you need to do at least three months. You really should do a minimum of six months for your pre-launch in order for it to work. So that means it's six months from when people want 
the information that you're offering to them before they actually get it. Um, but most importantly is on that launch day, Amazon's going to take all of those sales from that six months and their system that day sees it as being sales for today. So it looks amazing. You know, you did uh, five, you did 5,000, whatever books over the course of that six months, boom, all in that 12.01 a.m. Pacific time, U.S. standard Pacific time, um, you know, 5,000 people instantly got the book. That looks amazing. Um, the problem is, is that uh, because I understand how Amazon's algorithm works, day two, it goes back and it says, no, actually, those books were bought across six months of time. And that takes your ranking and all the other, there's a whole bunch of SEO things you do on the search engine that is Amazon. Um, it takes all those and it drops them dramatically like a stone. So there's uh, much better ways of doing it than that. Um, and as my book says, bestseller is the beginning. It's really where we start. Um, and somebody needs your information right now. So the best thing to do is let's get that book out quickly. Let's make it a bestseller right there on the first launch day. And then let's start serving people and building what we're going to do on top of that, as opposed to building up to that. Steve, let's come back to the listener today. Uh, they've got a story to tell. Uh, they're not necessarily feeling as though they are a great writer. Uh, there are some ways you can get people to help you write your book. What's your recommendation for people who've got the story? In fact, they might be able to spin a great yarn. They are able to deliver some information that's necessary. Perhaps it's even unique but they need someone to just give them that professional edge. What sort of help is there out there? Number one, I always encourage people to use speaking to write versus writing. Now, there's a few exceptions to that. There are a few people that I know that are actually good writers. They write a lot. They're good at being able to do it. But typically, um, and I'm generalizing here, but this is pretty well true, when we write, it's very cathartic. It's very internalized. That's why journaling works so well in therapy because it allows us to pour out all of those things onto paper. When we speak, just like you and I are having a conversation right now, you're asking me questions. I'm replying to what you said as opposed to, you know, whatever things I might have been thinking out throughout the course of the whole day today. The same thing's true when we use speaking to write. Even better if we have somebody that interviews us and is asking us specific questions and leading us down a path with that. But either way, I mean, when I write my books, all 20 of them, I've done them, uh, you know, just turning on Zoom by myself and interviewing myself. And, you know, I'll ask the question in my head and then, and then answer it. Uh, from there, you need a team of people who know what they're doing. You need a content editor who can go through and say, hey, you know, you're telling a story about Aunt Jan and you never finished what happened to Aunt Jan. Now we're dying to know what happened to Aunt Jan, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you also need a grammar editor to put the commas in the right place and all of that kind of stuff. And people who can do the cover for you, format for both print and digital, all of those kind of things. Um, you know, rather than you becoming an expert at everything in the industry, Really, all you need to be an expert at is the one and only thing that you've learned your entire life, and that's being you. 
So switching on Zoom, and I'm assuming you're saying record the conversation that you're having on Zoom because it's not lost. Uh, but you can do the same sort of sort of thing, can't you, with uh, with your mobile phone device? Uh, you can have some apps uh, that can record your voice and turn it into text. So that, even that is not necessarily a blockage, is it? Because the technology today gives us all this opportunity to be able to get that book out. Oh yeah, absolutely. And any of those, uh, anything that'll record you, because you could even get a transcriptionist to transcribe an audio from the basic one on your phone or what have you. Uh, the reason why I use Zoom is I have a built-in transcription program built into the level of Zoom that I have, and it's probably the best voice-to-text software that I know of on the market right now. So I use that because I can kind of skip ahead and go a little quicker with the getting my books out. But but beyond that, yeah, just capture that audio in any way you can. Turn on an old cassette deck if you have to. <laughs> yep. And with the advent of e-books, uh, it means that really, you know, you're in the United States. Uh, listeners can access your books at the touch of a button when they're online with Amazon. It's not just that paperback or that hardback copy of a book, but uh, e-books, uh, they're rev- revolutionizing the way we read. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's just something about being able to take that book with you everywhere you go on something as small as your phone and being able to read it. Now I will tell you statistically about, it's about a third, a third, a third, a third of the people still want the book in print. They like the tactile nature of reading print books. A third of them like eBooks and a third of them just listen to it on audio. So really you need to have all of those because that's the world we live in. When you have your book, you've got the credential. Uh, not everybody has the time, but some some do. Uh, they can go on a tour. Uh, I imagine you might have some tips for how you set up a tour. How do you get to do, you know, blog talks, uh, speaking at conferences and things like that? Um, radio shows, I mean, here you are, you're on the radio with me. So, uh, you know, somebody put us in touch with each other and uh, all of a sudden you've got this opportunity. What are your thoughts here? Because once you've got that book out and it's for sale, uh, the promotion of it uh, through those sorts of means. So I have a friend of mine that her number one piece of advice to all business people is whenever you're offered a microphone, take it whether that be a podcast, a live stage, a virtual, um, anytime somebody will let you talk, even if it's two people in a room, say yes. Now, I might temper that a little bit by saying making sure that you're actually talking to people that have any interest in what you're talking about. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, there are so many groups on Facebook and different places where you can, uh, you know, you can just look up groups for people who are doing whatever you're doing, join the group and offer to talk to them for free, offer to get on people's podcasts. Most podcasters um, are always looking for somebody else to be a guest. You know, they're typically in need of guests, but if you don't ask, they won't say yes. But I will tell you one thing. One of my authors, she applied for a podcast nine separate times on the subject that she was very well-versed in um, and got turned down. And then the 10th time, the only thing that was different in her pitch is she told them that she wanted to talk about her brand new best-selling book on that topic. And they immediately came back and told her yes, because it is such 
powerful marketing language, and it does truly set you apart. So that word bestseller, uh, actually, uh, it, uh, it scores some goals. Hey, is there a particular Christian book-selling category uh, in, uh, say, organizations like Amazon? Uh, I'm not necessarily today even saying that as listeners are thinking about their own unique gifts and talents, some will have some Christian focus to that. And uh, no doubt uh, I'd be the one quick and first to encourage uh, those who've got some uh, ministry credential or capacity there to uh, to actually you know expand that. But, but it might be some sort of engineering or science uh, focus. But is there a Christian book-selling category that that is important to know about on Amazon? There are so many great Christian book categories, including one that's called, so the general category is called Christian Books and Bibles, and it has every Christian-y book that there is. That's a little bit too broad. Um, but down in that, there's a one that's called Christian Living, and under Christian Living is, for example, Women's Christian Living. So if you're a woman that's just talking about, and it could be anything from parenting to general struggles you're having in life or whatever, that can be a great category to go in. Um, another good one that's over in the uh, ministry section of Christian Books and Bibles is Adult Christian Ministry or Teen Christian Ministry. Um, there are books for um, abuse and survivors and therapy any of the things you can think about there are a lot of really really great categories um, and most of them are in need of some really really great books in the christian space and then if you're a little bit more esoteric or if you don't want to come right out and be in the christian book section there is also ones that are they're listed as quote-unquote spiritual or personal development or those kind of things that are not just self-help books but are intended to be about your spiritual life. Um, but you can be uh, more evangelistic in nature where you're not saying Jesus up front. You kind of come through the back door with it, <laughs> if you will. Well, you might not be a theological scholar, but we all have a story, and so many of us might write something that's autobiographical, and it might well be according to those lines of our own personal Christian testimony, or our personal Christian testimony might be a part of uh, the bigger issues that we'd be talking about. Hey, time is running short. I do want to ask you, I know that uh, you like to give away free things, and uh, even Amazon has some days in the year where they encourage authors to give away their books for free. So uh, how does this all happen? And, uh, you know, does that have a cost to it, obviously, for the, for the seller? Uh, what about giving away free things? So number one, Amazon doesn't care whether your book is $0 or a million dollars. Their algorithm is based on the concept of how many people got the book, and they define a person as a unique email address. So the dollar value doesn't really come into bear on their algorithm at all. With that said, one of their most powerful marketing programs is they allow up to five free days per each quarter for you to be able to give away your ebook. Um, and every book that I know of that's uh, you know one of the largest selling books, they use all five of those and very intricately in part of uh, launching your book and making a bestseller right out on day one does make use of that free day. 
All right. Uh, it's making, really about getting the book in people's hands. Making use of free days. Uh, so a couple of websites to give because I know, Steve, uh, you've got something for free for listeners today. If they would like to take advantage of that at ongoingwealthguide.com. Uh, what is it you're giving away? What is it that you'd like to offer listeners for free today, having heard the things that you've been sharing? So ongoingwealthguide.com is going to take you to my downloadable, totally free to you. And it's uh, secrets. It's five steps to helping you develop ongoing uh, wealth, ongoing revenue in your life and in your business. Um, there's also a link in there that will take you to my workshop that I do that you literally just from that could write your book just from the information that's in that one hour workshop. All of that's contained for free in that downloadable PDF at ongoingwealthguide.com. Ongoingwealthguide.com and uh, Steve's other site, thrivingbestsellers.com. But uh, take advantage of that free ebook today, ongoingwealthguide.com. Uh, Steve, wonderful getting your insights. Uh, entrepreneur, business coach, uh, just great reflecting on that spirituality, that biblical foundation that you have for your uh, writing, for your ministry, for your ongoing influence. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with our listeners today. Ongoingwealthguide.com for that free uh, only the beginning, the secret to unlocking true ongoing wealth at ongoingwealthguide.com. Uh, Steve Kidd, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me on the show today. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.